Welcome to the latest podcast from the Recruitment and Employment Confederation. We're bringing you the latest updates and insights from the world of recruitment to help you navigate these challenging times. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of the REC podcast, Talking Recruitment. I'm Neil Carberry, the REC Chief Executive. Uh, thank you for joining us again as we uh, navigate our way through uh, these unusual times, trying not to use the word impre- unprecedented quite as often as I used it in April and May, in June. Lots has been happening over the last few days. Uh, most obviously, we've seen the unemployment numbers come out, which have confirmed uh, what many of us uh, expected and have quite a significant uptick uh, coming even alongside the uh, CJRS, the furlough scheme, uh, where uh, the government made a further change on over the weekend of the 13th and 14th of June, introducing the rules around flexible furlough and your REC team have been all over that since that announcement was made and we're updating the frequently asked question documents and all the other documentations around furlough that you'll need on the REC website. As a requirement for employer contributions comes in gradually from the 1st of August in that scheme, we're expecting to see firms either draw people back off furlough or start to move towards uh, some redundancy. So we expect the unemployment number to be quite significantly affected over the months to come. And if you're interested in that and how it might play out, do check out our recent episode with Tony Wilson of the IES. From an REC policy point of view, we've been focused on making sure we keep talking to government about the things that you need to uh, navigate this uh, period effectively. And I'm delighted to say that I've been joined by the REC's Director of Campaigns, Tom Hadley, for today's edition of the pod. Hello, Tom. Yeah, hi, Neil. Let's start with where we are in terms of relations with government. Quite a lot has changed on the furlough scheme, but we've also seen quite a lot of activity around other areas, including the rules government is putting together on uh, how to claw back for a lot of monies where things have gone wrong. Why don't you get start by giving us an update on the REC's activity in that area? Yes, and that's hot off the press. Our, our response to government went in uh, literally on Friday, uh, so, so within the last few days. I think our message there is clear. So we are all in favour of effective government enforcement. So we've always said a government enforcement is about protecting workers, but it's also about protecting compliant businesses. So it's natural the government will have a focus on on how different rules have been implemented. However, and this is our big message, that there does need to be a common sense approach applied to it. So uh, some of the guidance around following change in our estimation over 20 times, things were changing at pace, and there's a reason for that. But when we look at enforcing this, we do need to recognise intent. And and, and most of our members are saying we're, we're, we're concerned because we've tried to do the right thing. We've given money on to, on to workers, so we do need to make sure there's a pragmatic approach to how this is enforced. So that's been the, the sort of at the heart of our message to government around enforcement, around clawback mechanisms, uh, and, and we're pretty confident that will resonate because people recognise that recruiters have been trying to do the right thing all along. There's a lot to be uh, said for just making sure that we at the REC remind government how, about, how quickly all of this was yes. moving. I was talking to one of the payroll firms, uh, not an umbrella kind of outsourced uh, uh, payroll software company, uh, last week, and they were reminding me that they'd counted 22 different changes yes. to the furlough scheme in running. So I, I think a, a sort of a, a charter of fairness in how HMRC takes this forward is going to be really vital, isn't it? 
Yes, it is. And, and I think that's that's uh, the heart of our response um, to government. And again, we will be working closely with government, but also with members. So I, I think there's, there's going to be a big role for, for REC to play in this. We think there's a real opportunity post-crisis to, to really look at things say, well, the recruitment sector stepped up and it's not just about the work we're doing at the moment around, as you mentioned, uh, employment and helping to find new approaches to, to to some of the unemployment challenges we're going to be facing, but how we've dealt all along with the crisis. And I think I remember the very first webinar we did, uh, you know, after lockdown, 86% of our members said their number one priority was their staff, but also the temporary workers on their books. That was the number one priority. And I think the agency sector has stepped up to try and look after workers as much as they can. I agree with that, obviously, and I think that as we uh, as we move forward, what's interesting now, and you know, we're recording this just as uh, non-essential shops yes. reopen in England, not everywhere yet. Uh, we um, is that we're not out of the woods, but there's a there's a real change coming as the economy starts to fire up again. Maybe that kind of jump from. 70% of normal activity up to about 90% of normal activity, still socially distanced, still very carefully health and safety managed, but a lot more activity going on. And we thought it was really interesting that we saw in the jobs recovery tracker that the REC uh, published uh, on the 12th of June, that there was a real uh, upsurge in new vacancies in the first week of June, uh, just looking at getting ready to get things going again there's a sense that things will start to accelerate now but of course it's a new normal mm. um what are you getting from uh businesses around the country in terms of how they are reacting to that new normal tom well i think there's there's been some really interesting feedback and one is actually the advisory role that our members are playing so it's fascinating just speaking uh, earlier with members in northern ireland and in the midlands who are saying actually we've been asked from clients for support on you know, health and safety issues and, and how to manage the return. And in particular, how do we make sure that temporary staff are brief when they're coming back uh, to workplaces, etc. So I think there's been a real call on the industry to play that sort of advisory role, which we, we're all in favour of. So that's been uh, an interesting uh, dynamic. Again, are there new roles being created? So who owns the return to work? So so we saw in the latest tracker a big need for, for HR professionals. So some organisations, it's HR driving it, sometimes it's ops, but that's creating new roles. And I think that will be a theme for us to, to think about, actually, in the next few weeks and months. Yes, there's going to be sectors that continue to be highly impacted. There's going to be other sectors where there are jobs already starting to be created. So one of the challenges we face as a country is how do we help people transition for those sectors where demand is diminishing into those sectors and roles where demand is increasing? And one of the big challenges we face is actually the feedback we get from members is employers recognize the need to hire on potential and, and transferability of skills, but they're not that good at it, actually. And a lot of the procedures in place at the moment are based on past experience, et cetera. So we do need to sort of try and shift the dial on that. And we think there's a massive role for recruiters to play in helping to shift that dial. I think that's right, Tom. And that whole piece around uh, the industry is an engine of opportunity yeah. for workers and, uh, and and helping businesses achieve things that they haven't before. You, you, we're talking about economically driven uh, changes uh, off the back of the acceleration in large scale change that COVID's driven. But we could be talking about, you know, the 
if the necessity of making more progress and in inclusion in our hiring processes off uh, in in light of the the, the Black Lives Matter movement yep. following the death of George Floyd, there's a whole stream of uh, areas where I think that professional approach to hiring, to inclusion, to matching yep. HR plans to uh, to corporate growth, it's a huge opportunity for the industry to set, step up. When we know that only a minority of all the roles recruited in the UK labour market are use the the sector now, if we can get that industry as advisor and professional services firm mm. right that real service-led proposition rather than the transaction-led proposition i think that you know, there's grounds to think that we could make real progress as a sector coming out of this i, I think so and, and and again that comes down to some of the sector specific work that we do so so we really like the idea of of, of our sector groups so don't forget we cover 18 different sector groups here at the RSC, work of employer bodies in those sectors, sometimes with other stakeholders in those sectors, and almost coming together to make change happen. And I think you're right, that's where the debate is moving on. It's not about just having the right policies in place, it's about being proactive and being able to show that the makeup of workplace is actually evolving. And, and a lot of employers, there's going to be heavy scrutiny, let's be very clear, there will be heavy scrutiny on, on what the business community is doing in this country to make change happen. And I think recruiters who can work with their clients to put in place measures that do create that that tangible change will be in a really good commercial position and that will be a massive added value that they're, they're giving to, to their clients. That question, whether it comes out of Black Lives Matter or it comes out of the kind of social contract discussion mm. that we have after COVID-19 seems to me to be something that I'm increasingly hear, hearing leaders of our largest REC member firms talk about. They're thinking about how do they specialise. You know, one or two of them are looking again at moving from a 360 to a 180 model to support that specialisation. They're also asking themselves a couple of questions. Though I've, I've got to call in the two who's. Who is our client? Do we yes. understand who in the business is our client and should we have no other people in the business? And who looks after our client within our business? Do mm. you know, rather as you and I would, uh, Tom, if we looked at a government department, there would be people that I would deal with and people you would deal with and people that our head of policy would deal with and people that our policy advisors mm. would deal with. And just having those relationships planned out. So we you have that capacity to have the service-based discussion mm. as people look again at what they can do. But one of the things I was really keen to ask you about, because I know you've spent a lot of time mm. on this over the last few weeks, is that that kind of English regions and mm. the nations differences. And they, I think this whole crisis has pulled the issues of things being different in the devolved nations right to the top of the agenda. We know that we saw in the jobs recovery tracker a bigger bounce back in Wales and Scotland. And, you know, thinking about that and how it's driven, we know that more work sites in construction and manufacturing shut down in the devolved nations mm. than did in England at the height of the lockdown because of the different rules. What are you getting around the UK across the four nations in terms of different experiences that people are having? I think there's, first of all that there's a recognition that there's a re it's really important for the industry to have that strong voice in the regions and in the devolved nations. What's one of the biggest challenges that members are flagging for us? It's still around skills and staff shortages looking ahead so that so even though the jobs market dynamics has changed to some extent in many sectors that becomes the big debate and where is that debate driven it's driven on a regional and national level so if we want to have a really good voice on the skills agenda we have to be strong 
in our, in our regional activities and our in our activities in the devolved nations. And there's a real there's a real opportunity for individual recruiting businesses. So I was speaking just earlier with some of our members who are actively involved in the discussions with local enterprise partnerships. Yesterday, we took part in a discussion in Wales about the skill shortages in Wales, etc. If you're a recruiting businesses and you're plugging in to some of these debates, it gives you a great heads up into where the investment's coming, where the skill needs are going to be. And actually, you're rubbing shoulders with some of the biggest employees in your region. So there's an absolute uh, benefit there for, for businesses. So we're definitely picking up things around the, 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 the skills uh, agenda, which which is really important. And some of this is around brand. And you mentioned some of the changing dynamics post-COVID. There's definitely something we're picking up from members about the way that we get new clients is evolving. How do we provide almost a bit of thought leadership, st- strategic direction? Uh, you know, how do we have those sort of conversations? So that's evolving. And a lot of that, of that will be driven, you know, regionally, locally. We're seeing more members doing uh, little events for their clients, using our research to seed some of those debates. And I think that will continue. And, and again, if you look at some of the practical support we can provide to members, there's no doubt in the last two years, one of the biggest changes as being our industry is more research led, using data research to build those strategic conversations with clients on a regional basis. I think that's really powerful. And you know, just thinking back to our podcast uh, a couple of uh, uh, a couple of episodes ago with Ruth Penfold of BP, mm. you know, what was she talking about? What would interest her from a recruiter right now? She was saying, give me something to think about. Give me yes. something that helps me think about how I'm changing my yeah. my business. The problem, you know, solve my problem, don't solve your problem. Yep. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. You can understand what the what the problem is, but also you bring some data to bear. Now, some of that, of course, the REC can help you with. Got the jobs recovery yep. tracker, got jobs outlook, got the report on jobs, all of that giving really uh, rich data around uh, what's going what's going on. But obviously, there's all sorts of stuff that we can help that, that we can help with. And there are loads of networks that uh, at the regional and national level in devolved nations. And, and we've been asking, yeah, I was just going to say, we've been asking members um, on webinars what they see as some of the post-lockdown, post-crisis priorities for them or, and what's going to change. And the two things that have come out, which I think are very interesting, is one, the level of service that clients expect from their recruiter, and that includes that increased strategic direction. That was one. And then linked to that almost, it's the, the leadership skills and the skills of frontline recruiters, how are they going to evolve? And again, that's something we're keen to facilitate the REC, but quite quite a, quite a shift there in the skills needed within our own industry to provide that kind of strategic advice and guidance. I think that's absolutely spot on. And you go back to that comment I made earlier about more and more firms thinking about 180s, where yeah. where where people can really deep dive into the key skills. And and of course that brings you into the whole rec tech uh, discussion yes. about how do you how do you take process and day to day out of your uh, consultants' lives and replace it with those real real added value conversations? Because if you come right back around to, um, I think what's been a a drumbeat amongst the recruitment leaders I've been talking to. I think for too long as an industry, and I've put my hand up to this as an ex-recruiter myself, we've viewed uh, top line as linked to the number of people or the number of desks we have. Mm. Um, and actually, now we need to be thinking much more about revenue per head than perhaps we have in the 
have in the past and how we change that, not simply through getting things aligned for the people who are sitting at those desks, but actually thinking about the technology and the productivity of the teams that we've got. And that's what, why I've seen that kind of resurgence in 180 thinking over 360 yep. thinking uh, recently. Um, are there particular themes that differ between um, the three devolved nations that, that, that you've seen? I, I know you spent some time uh, thinking particularly about uh, uh, Wales and Northern Ireland recently, and I've, for a fairly obvious accent-based regions, I've always got my finger <laughs> in what REC, uh, what REC Scotland are up to. Well, I, th- I think one thing that cuts across, which has been noticeable, is a, a certain level of optimism, actually, when we ask about how do you see you know, the outlook for, for, for your business and for the economy in the midterm, it's very positive. So over 80% of our members are saying, actually, we're, we're very upbeat. And I think part of that is it comes back to what we were just discussing. There's an opportunity in some ways to control the future by, 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 by acting on some of the opportunities that are out there, including this idea of providing slightly different services. So that is a common theme, that level of optimism. I think there's definitely trends we're seeing in, in, across different sectors. And, and again, there's some common ground there. So anything that's linked to the technology agenda, whether it's Northern Ireland, Wales, Scotland, our members who operate in those sectors are, are very confident because the direction of travel there is there's going to be a huge demand for staff and skills uh, in those areas. I think some of the specific challenges where, and, and this is incumbent on us at REC to have a really strong voice, is around public sector recruitment. So in many, in many of the devolved nations, that's a big employer. But the way that staffing services and recruitment services are procured vary in the different uh, nations. And, and they're having a strong voice to try and work with procurement organisations to try and influence where we can and ensure that our members get fair access uh, to public sector uh, contracts is, is a priority. And that does change enormously across the devolved nations. So having that strong voice there really comes to the fore in, in that respect. I think that's right. And if I, I reflect on our experience on things like business rate support, mm. clearly, you know, we were yeah. successful in England getting access to support for business rates and a bit more of a struggle in Scotland and kind of exchanging yeah. votes with Kate Forbes, the finance secretary there. Um, but actually, the the paths to support are different, uh, but there are support funds in place or have been support funds in place yeah. across each of the four nations. And I think one of the things we've asked account managers at the REC to do is just have an understanding of those four different uh, systems. And I think that's with us for the long haul now. Yeah. yeah. Talking to the, I was talking to the chair, uh, the chair candidates uh, for uh, REC chair in the upcoming election recently. And I think all of them see uh, this regional dynamic is really important to the industry in the future uh, and important to the REC. So I think we'll see probably more uh, rather than less of this going forward. And and I think I think that's a great point. And one of the things that we do know is is members, you know, really help us. So so we've got a, a network of regional directors that we'd like to sort of uh, build on. But certainly, you know, when we're speaking about trying to influence the, the agenda, whether it's in Scotland, whether it's Northern Ireland, the world, it's really important that we've got great members there who are our ears and eyes to the ground in those in in the nations that are helping us to to influence the agenda. So so again, I think it's a real opportunity for active member engagement. And there is a quid pro quo, actually. A lot of our members who work with us closely on all the campaigning work in the devolved nations, you use it. It's a great way of amplifying your own brand. It's a great way of, of building your personal brand as an, an, an industry leader, feeding into a lot of these big debates, and then playing some of this back to your clients. And you're, you're at the top table 
influencing some of the biggest debates that, that can be around skills, around employment, etc. So we think there's a real win-win there for members who do get involved in, in, in our campaigning work in the nations and in the, across the re regions. No, I agree with that. And I, I think if, uh, you know, Shazia Ajaz, our head of comms, were on this uh, call, she'd say that uh, regional media really yes. matters as well. Yes. Um, awesome. Even yeah. more so at times like this, the kind of readership and reach that re yeah. regional media has, both uh, broadcast and paper, is enormous. And um, we've seen, we've been supporting lots of members with kind of how they deal with local journalists yeah. through this, uh, either for challenging or less, less challenging conversations. Um, it seems to me that you know being a, a local spokesperson for the for the industry is also important, and and I think getting active regionally helps the brand that way too. Yep. Um, if Tom, if you were giving a member one piece of advice about kind of this piece of uh, you know navigating the different structures we now have of. Uh, policy making and labour market thinking in the UK, and wanting to use that to, yeah, to to really drive their business. What would it be? Um, I think it would be just looking what's already out there that you can get involved in, and, and in some ways piggyback on. So some of our members, and this is happening now. So some of our members, as I say, are actively involved in their local enterprise partnership. That's a great way forward. I'm seeing more of members get involved in their local chamber of commerce work. Again, that's a great way of amplifying your own voice as well as a bit of, of, of networking. I think the media point's a great one because of what a, what a, what a great way cost-effectively of getting your brand out there. And, and I think it's, there's an interesting parallel. So policymakers, when they speak to us, they say the one thing, one of the best things your members bring to us is real practical insight to what's happening in the front line of the jobs market. Same thing with journalists. They're very interested in really practical, concrete stories of what's happening out there. And I think that level of pragmatism that we can bring to the parties is, is huge. So there's there's lots of opportunities out there. I guess it's choosing which ones uh, to work with. Again, this morning, just talking about um, the work some of our members are doing, working with local schools, local colleges to help build that bridge into, into work. So there's lots of opportunities out there. I think it's choosing one or two that you can do. But then also, perhaps the other bit of advice is there's not always have to be the agency leader that does this stuff. So a lot of our members are using it as a development tool, get involved, so working with the schools or even plugging into the work of local chambers who within our team, our management sort of card, can, can we can we invite to take part in it? So, so using some of that regional activity as a development tool as well as, as a real theme. That's super. And I think a, a real theme for, for us to explore as an organisation going forward, as ever, lots of content around this on the REC website. You can get in touch with uh, us if you have questions or thinking about how you should do it. Lots of uh, data there from the surveys that we're running at the moment that really help you add value in those uh, localised conversation or sector-based conversations mm. with clients. And, and clearly we're watching very carefully how the different uh, nations open up and making sure that we're very focused on uh, getting the best outcome for uh, REC members wherever they're operating in the UK. Uh, Tom, I should say thank you very much for joining us thank uh, you. on this episode of the podcast. And thank you to all of you for listening. Uh, join us again soon for another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening. We hope you found this episode helpful. Head to our COVID-19 hub on www.rec.uk.com forward slash COVID-19 for the latest guidance on managing your business during these unprecedented times.